Bible at Psalm 23, verse 2, is where we have come to this morning in our journey through this very familiar, but yet very, very powerful psalm. Here's the title. It's about to come up on the screen. The title this morning is Green Pastures and Still Waters. So have we got those words there? Green Pastures and Still Waters. One of the marks of society today in 2021 is you meet so many people and they're just not content with their lives. You ask them how they're doing and they come out with lots of things that they're not contented about. And there seems to be so much discontentment around today. In his book, Simple Faith, the Bible teacher, Charles Swindle, has a poem. And I want you to read this poem to you this morning because this poem perfectly describes society today. Listen to this. It was swing, spring, but it was summer that I wanted, the warm days and the great outdoors. It was summer, but it was autumn I wanted, the colorful leaves and the cool, dry air. It was autumn, but it was winter that I wanted, the beautiful snow and the joy of the holiday season. I was a child, but it was adulthood I wanted, the freedom and the respect. I was 20, but it was 30 I wanted to be mature and sophisticated. I was middle-aged, but it was 30 I wanted, the youth and the free spirit. I was retired, but it was middle-aged I wanted, the presence of mind without limitation. My life was over, but I never got what I wanted. Does that connect with anyone this morning? Do you know anyone? And that little poem describes them this morning. Is that you? Are you chasing satisfaction? But somehow you don't seem to be able to find it today. As we read the second verse of Psalm 23, there's one word that comes to my mind. And you know what the one word is? It's the one word contentment, contentment. Let me read to you verse 2. If it says these words of the Lord, he makes me lie down in green pastures. He leads me beside quiet waters. This verse paints a picture of a flock of sheep that are totally and utterly content. But here's the big question. How do you get sheep to lie down. Listen, I have a little dog at home and Liz has trained it to lie down. What do you do? You encourage it to lie down and you give it a treat. And you say, lie down. And it thinks, well, if I lie down, I'm going to get a treat. So nine out of ten times when I say lie down, Molly, Molly will lie down. But listen, if you've got sheep and you turn to your sheep and say, lie down, do those sheep lie down? No, they will not lie down. Certain conditions have to be met before the sheep can lie down. Sheep, as you can see from the screen, will only lie down in green pastures if they're free from. Look at point A with me. Here's the first thing. Have we got it there? Fearful predators. Fearful predators. Sheep, by nature, are very timid animals. And we have seen this happen so many times. You walk along a country lane 
and there's sheep in a field, and if one of those sheep are startled, all of those sheep will run off in blind fear because they're so, so timid. And you know, many people's lives today in 2021, they are gripped with fear. Many people today, their lives are crippled with fear and discontentment. And yet in Psalm 23, verse 2, it's teaching us that when we know Jesus, the good shepherd, what does he do? He deals with the fears that often we struggle with in our lives. When Paul was writing to Timothy, Paul was a mature Christian. And he was writing to young Timothy who was starting out in gospel ministry. A guy that was naturally timid. A guy that maybe had nerve problems. Many commentators think that Timothy had stomach problems. Maybe he wrestled with ulcers and things that he got through nerve problems in his life. And this is what Paul said to Timothy. In 2 Timothy 1 verse 7. Listen to this. God has not given us a spirit of fear or timidity, but of power, of love, and of self-discipline. Believer, the Spirit of God lives in you. And the Spirit of God who lives in every single Christian, He is the one who can bring us the Lord's peace. He is the one that can take away the things that we're fearful about, the things that rob us of the contentment that only Jesus can give us. For So for sheep to lie down in green pastures, firstly, point A, they have to be free from fearful predators. Here's the second thing they have to be free from. Look at point B. They have to be free from tensions within the flocks tensions within the flocks. Sheep maintain their status in the flock by butting and driving away other sheep from their favorite grazing spots. An arrogant and a domineering sheep maintains her position by butting and driving away other ewes and lambs from the best grazing. And when there's rivalry, and when there's tension within the flocks, you will not find the sheep lying down. The sheep will be on their feet. The sheep will be restless. They'll be walking about. They sense that there's tension. We sen- they sense that there's rivalry and competition within the flock. And you know, if you apply that to the Lord's flock, sometimes there can be tensions between brothers and sisters in Christ. Some professing Christians in churches today want to be the top dog or the top sheep, so to speak, and they butt and they quarrel and they compete to get ahead. And when there's atmospheres like that, do you know what happens, folks? What happens is we are robbed of the peace. We are robbed of the blessing that only the Lord can give us. In the letter to 3 John, John the Apostle says these words in 3 John verse 9. Listen to what he says. I wrote to the church, but Diotrephes, who loves to be first, will not welcome us. In this church that John was writing to in his third epistle, there was a guy called Diotrephes. And what does he say about him? He loves to be first. In other words, he wants to be top dog. 
I want to tell you, folks, the ground is level at the foot of the cross. Every Christian to become a Christian has to get to the cross. That's when we're saved. That's where we become Christians, at the foot of the cross. Paul says in Philippians 2 verse 3, do nothing from rivalry or conceit, but in humility count others more significant than yourself. Sheep will not lie down if there's fearful predators around. They'll sense it and they'll be up on all fours. They'll be agitated. They'll not lie down if there's tensions within the flock. Here's the third thing that robs sheep. Look at point C. Flies are parasites. Flies are parasites. We've all been out maybe in a, in a summer's day and the, the, the sun's been high in the sky and it's been pretty warm and there are the sheep and the flies are all around them and you know they're being tormented by those flies. Likewise, in a believer's life there can be small things, isn't it true? There can be small things that annoy us. There can be small things that irritate us. Small things that get under our skin and rob us of the peace of the Lord. We often use the expression, don't we? That really bugs me. Maybe we secretly use that expression of a brother or sister in Christ. I was sharing in the first service, let me use this illustration again. We were on the prayer meeting yesterday morning and it was a good prayer meeting. But at the start, I have to confess, I was bugged at the start. And you know what bugged me? A computer that didn't work properly. The reality was the computer was working properly. I wasn't using it properly. We always like to blame the computer, don't we? It was my fault rather than the computer's fault. But little things can bug us, can't they? And I have to say, for the first 15 minutes of that prayer meeting, I wasn't settled in the presence of the Lord. Have you had that sort of experience? Just little things bug us so easily. Romans chapter 12, verse 18, Paul says, as far as it's possible, as it depends on you, live peacefully with one another. Sometimes we need to say, Lord, this is getting under my skin. Lord, this is irritating me. Lord, this is making me agitated. Lord, I give this thing to you. I'm sorry. I repent of this thing. And you know what the Lord gives us in comparison? He gives us his peace. In Roman, or sorry, in John chapter 14, verse 27, Jesus says, Peace I leave with you. My peace I give you. I do not give as the world gives. Do not let your hearts be troubled and do not be afraid. Are little things robbing you of your spiritual contentment in Christ? Sheep will only lie down, remember, if they're free from fearful predators, if they're free from tensions within the flock, if they're free from flies and parasites. Here's the fourth thing. Look at point D. If they're free from hunger... If they're free from hunger, a hungry sheep is always on all fours. A hungry sheep is always wandering around looking for more grass to eat. And when David talks about green pastures, what's he talking about? He's talking about fresh, young spring grasses which are free from uh, parasite 
contamination and therefore produce good, healthy ewes, which in turn will produce thriving lambs. But you know, if you watch sheep standing there on all fours, feeding on the grass, what they are literally doing is this. They're literally biting the grass and just twirling it around their mouths and swallowing it into a certain compartment in their stomach. And when they're full up of grass that they haven't digested properly, this is what a sheep literally does. It finds a quiet, comfortable spot. It goes and it lies there. And I know it's getting near lunchtime. I'm sorry for putting you off your lunch. It literally burps up the grass that's been in that compartment of its stomach. And it starts as it lies there in the shade to chew it over and get the good of that grass. And you know, that's what a believer, that's what one of God's flock should do with the Lord's word. It's good to chew over. It's good to meditate on God's word. Listen to Joshua 1 verse 8. It says, do not let this book of the law depart from your mouth. Meditate on it day and night so that you will be careful to do everything written in it. Then you will be prosperous and successful. Are we enjoying God's word? chewing over God's word or do you get up in the morning and you gobble down your breakfast and you gobble down a verse of scripture so to speak chew over that verse of scripture throw it around your mind think it through as the day goes over what was the original writer saying what was the context in which he was speaking into what is that verse saying to me today in 2021 how do we get sheep to lie down? They must be free from predators, tensions within the flock, flies, hunger. Here's the last thing. Point A, they must be free from thirst. He makes me lie down in green pastures. He leads me beside quiet waters. You see, when a sheep is thirsty, they become restless. And if they're not led to good, clean water, they'll just drink any sort of water. They'll even drink diseased water and do themselves a lot of harm in the process. Also bear in mind that sheep will drink or pass water. They're naturally tired. In fact, as animals, they're dressed in a heavy woolen coat when you think about it. A coat that gets waterlogged if it falls into water. Sheep can drown very, very easily. He leads me beside quiet waters. Who is writing this psalm? David. Remember who David was? He was the youngest of Jesse's eight sons. He was the eighth son of Jesse. Remember what David did in his early days? He was a shepherd boy. And so, as he gives you and I, under the inspiration of God's Holy Spirit, Psalm 23, here's a guy that's writing out of rich experience in dealing with sheep. But my question is this. Green pastures, we all know that they stand for the Word of God, don't we? 
But what do the quiet waters stand for? Why does he add quiet waters in the second part of the verse? The quiet waters stand for God's Holy Spirit. The Lord Jesus said in John 7, verses 37 to 39, If anyone is thirsty, let him come to me and drink. Whoever believes in me, as the Scriptures have said, streams of living water will flow from within him. By this he meant the Spirit, whom those who believed in him were to receive. Green pastures, the Word of God, quiet waters, the Spirit of God. But what's all this saying to us today? As we sit here in the second service, here in Kilkenny Church this morning, what is this verse 2 of Psalm 23 saying? Look with me at point number 2 this morning. Let's be practical as we apply it. Some take home truths from verse 2 of Psalm 23. There are three of them. Here's the first one. Look at point A. With the Lord's help, identify what is robbing you of spiritual contentment. That's a good exercise, isn't it? Before you go to sleep tonight, ask the Lord, is there something in your life that is robbing you of your spiritual contentment? Is it tension? Maybe tension in your marriage. Maybe tension in your home. Maybe tension in church. Is there some little thing that's bugging you? Something that there's a fear in your life that's robbing you of contentment? What is it? I just love what Paul wrote in Philippians chapter 4. Listen to verse 12. I've learned the secret of being content in any and every situation, whether well-fed or hungry, whether living in plenty or in need. I wonder how many of us can say amen to that verse. And the same Paul who wrote Philippians chapter 4 that I've just been quoting from, wrote Philippians 1 verse 21. Do you remember what he said? For to me to live is Christ and to die is gain. Real contentment is found in Jesus. Real contentment is found in Christ. 1 Timothy 6 verse 6, what does it say? Godliness with contentment is great gain. I've discovered over the years, one of the many things the Lord has taught me is that some of the Christians that are most content spiritually are Christians that don't have so much of the stuff that you and I live our lives for. And materially, they're poor. But wow, spiritually, they're rich. And they're content in Christ. Will you ask the Lord before you go to bed tonight? That's your homework. I'm only joking with you. But that's the challenge of this word. Will you ask the Lord before you go to bed tonight, Lord, what is it that's robbing me? of my spiritual contentment. Let's have a second point of application. Look at point B. Spiritual hunger should be the defining mark of every believer. Spiritual hunger should be the defining mark of every believer. Are we hungry spiritually? Are we hungry for the Lord? 
Maybe for some Christians, there needs to be less Facebook and more of God's book. Job 23 verse 12 says, I've treasured the words of God's mouth more than my daily bread. He makes me lie down in green pastures. I was just reading Spurgeon on this verse and Spurgeon says, when he makes us lie down in green pastures, that's the picture of the fact that when we lie down and enjoy God's word, God's word, the richness of God's word is so great that it's deep enough for a believer to lie down in. Isn't that great? We never get to the bottom of it. We never get to the, well, we do get to the end of the Bible, but even when you get to the end of the Bible, there's still so much more of God's word to enjoy and to learn and to take in and to live by. Let me ask you this question. This is probably a question that a church should ask once a year, at least once a year. What would a greater spiritual hunger look like among the members of this church? That's a good question, isn't it? What would a greater spiritual hunger look like in your life individually? So how is your spiritual appetite? Are you hungry for God's word? Are you hungry for these green pastures that are deep enough to lie down in and you never exhaust, you never get to the bottom of? Are you hungry enough to make an effort to show up every Lord's Day to be fed on God's word? Here's a third point of application this morning. Point C. Both green pastures and still waters are what shouldn't... Uh, should nourish God's flock. I said earlier that the green pastures are the word of God and the quiet waters are the spirit of God. And I am increasingly convicted in my life that every church that's been true to God and true to his word needs the balance between the word of God, the green pastures, and the spirit of God the quiet waters. Some churches are all word, but no spirit. Some churches are all spirit, but no word. Folks, we need both in tandem if we're to be sanctified as believers. Somebody has said, if you have the word, but not the spirit, you'll dry up. If you have the spirit, but not the word, you'll blow up. If you have the spirit and the word, you'll grow up. That's my passion spiritually for this fellowship that I'm privileged to be the pastor of. That we would be a church of the word and the spirit. The people would come here in the Lord's day and enjoy green pastures and quiet waters. And folks, we desperately need both. So believer, are you content in the Lord this morning? Are you content in Jesus this morning? But maybe there's someone here today and you're here and you're not yet a believer. I have a question. Why are you content to live one more day without Jesus as your savior? Because I must be honest with you and I tell you the truth because I love you. 
when you die without Jesus, and if you dare to die without Jesus, you will go to hell for eternity. And you'll not be in hell five minutes. And you'll be discontented to be there, to be lost, to be lost without Jesus for eternity is a horrendous, it's your worst nightmare. So if you're here today and you're not a Christian and you're content, I pray that God by his word and by his spirit will make you discontent. And you'll run to the open arms of Jesus, the Son of God, who is strong and mighty and wanting to save you today. And if you are a Christian, then you'll say, Lord, put your finger. Lord, just put your finger on those things that are bugging me. Lord, just put your finger on the things that are robbing me of my contentment. Lord, just put your finger on those little things that annoy me. Show me the tensions in the flock and give me the grace and the spiritual boldness to get them sorted out. He makes me to lie down in green pastures. He leads me by quiet waters. Isn't that incredible? Isn't that wonderful? I want to ask you today, are you living in verse 2? We're going to see in weeks to come that there's a specific journey laid out in this psalm, but I'm not going to tell you too much about that because then you'll not come back and hear about that in weeks to come. But there is a specific grazing journey that David has in mind in this psalm. But are you living in verse 2? Are you enjoying the green pastures of the word? Are you drinking in the refreshing, powerful spirit of God day by day? that helps you to enjoy the word of God. He makes me lie down in green pastures. Wow. Isn't that rich? He leads me beside the quiet waters. And they are so refreshing. Who is he? As I said last week, he's not the mediocre shepherd. He's not the average shepherd. He is the good shepherd. Let's enjoy green pastures and let's enjoy quiet waters.